Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is the host of the upcoming podcast, To Save Chicks, Miss Vicki Johnson. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. First of all, what what made you decide to even launch a podcast? Um, I felt like there are a lot of missed opportunities for discussions that are necessary um, to our community, both male and female. And I think that the conversations will be helpful to the entire community, not just the adults, but it'll affect the children as well. A lot of what we experience, um, be it relationships, finance, health, um, living environments, all of those things affect all of us, but we don't always have the conversations in the ways that are most helpful. Um, a lot of times we approach things from a one-sided perspective and don't take the chance or take the opportunity to get to hear the other person to understand their perspective. So trying to have a, a well-rounded, diverse conversation about a plethora of topics that affect our communities. Well, what's interesting about your um, podcast is you coming from it from you're coming from a saved woman perspective. How come you chose that avenue? Because the we have enough of the worldly perspective. We see a lot of reality TV. We have Tubi. We have YouTube. I mean, we have so many places that we can go and hear advice from people who do not come from a Christian perspective and it's a kind of um, status quo, kind of anything goes. And I think that that somewhat derails us sometimes. Um, I think that their boundaries are necessary. And when we lose the boundaries, we see how, how crazy things can be. Um, Every day, there are weird stories of just crazy things going on in the world. And I don't think a lot of times that God was put in the plans of those thoughts before those things were done. Um, and I think that if we look at things from that perspective, it might change the trajectory of what we do and why. And at the, at the root of everything, communication is so critical that we have to be more intentional about how we do that with each other. Um, and if I am coming to you from a place of love and respect, whether we agree or not, I think that the conversation can be far more productive. So that's why I choose to approach it from that perspective. Now, what we get out of it, it might be a totally different thing. But <laughs> if we start out with it from that perspective and we agree that that's, that's where we're basing it from, hopefully we can both be a little more productive and we can listen to understand instead of listening to respond we we see so many um we see so many stories about relationships unfortunately a lot of um bad relationships and just a lot of negative talk um do you think your perspective being a christian woman will be that much different than everyone else i certainly hope that it would be um one because of the christ in me hopefully that that emits a certain amount of light um, because some of these conversations when it comes to relationships can be very dark. Um, 
And again, I think those that all starts with intention. What are you basing this on? What are you coming from? And when when I have these conversations, I'm hoping that we're going to be having them from a place of healing and love as opposed to being accusatory and spiteful or vindictive. I think a lot of times the conversations about relationships become negative because people are committed to being angry about whatever happened to them in the past. And that's counterproductive. I mean, it's not going to fix whatever happened and you won't be any more understood than you were before if you leave with anger and, you know, fear or insecurity or whatever else it might be. Um, I think that regardless of what you've been through in a relationship, be it good or bad, if you can start from today, from where you are today and be intentional about what you want going forward, I think that's the healthiest way because keep dredging up old stuff or keep harping on the things that didn't go well or the things that you dislike the most. I think that you, I think that when you do that, you are almost continuously re-manifesting those things in your life. So I think that you, there's power in your words and your tongue. From a Christian perspective, the Bible tells us that, you know, that there's life and death. And so I am so purposeful in speaking life into everything connected to me, whether it's a relationship, whether it's platonic or romantic, whether it's a, a, a business colleague, whether it's a, a child or a student, whatever it may be, I believe that when we start it and when we approach it with love and the the intention of understanding it, it just makes everything better for, for all parties. So I have no intention of bashing anybody. I have no intention of, of, of focusing on the things that didn't go well. I'm hoping that this podcast will be a launch pad for healthy, positive conversations for people moving forward with what they want as opposed to what they don't. I know you 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 say you want to be positive and you want to have a great perspective, but let's be honest, <laughs> with so much going on, it's it's really hard to keep that. Um, do you find yourself being challenged keeping that perspective? Well, challenged may not necessarily be how not necessarily, I don't feel challenged, but can the conversations become very dynamic? Absolutely, <laughs> because we're not always gonna agree, um, but that's the purpose for having healthy conversations, right? Um, and regardless, again, whether the experiences that, we're, that we are discussing um, from past events or even discussing things of what you plan or you hope to happen in the future, I think that you still have to ex you approach those things with a certain level of optimism and positivity. Otherwise, what is there to look forward to? <laughs> you know, it's daunting. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, there we, we've all experienced something negative in a relationship that we may not, you know, want to rehash or recall, but it doesn't change the fact that it happened. But your your perspective of it and how you plan to move forward or how you plan to approach it in the future, it has to be different. You know, like it can't be, you can't continuously look at it from a negative perspective and expect something good to come from it. So again, these conversations, I'm hoping that we will leave with feeling like we were heard, you know, both sides and feeling like 
you can find a path forward or a plan for how you can move forward with whatever the thing may be, you know, but I don't want to just have a bunch of meaningless conversations and then we're, we, we go on, but we're leaving feeling the same way we came like that defeats the purpose to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of displeasure and discomfort that we experience in relationships is because we, again, missed opportunities to understand one another. Yeah. How would you personally describe your dating experiences? Hmm. They have very much been unconventional. (laughs) (laughs) Unconventional. Um, I have not had a lot of dating partners. Um, I, I'm very old fashioned when it comes to love and relationships. And so I, from a very young age, thought that I was going to just be with one man, like marry one man and be with him for the rest of my life, like very traditional. I never, I never thought that I would be in my 40s single and dating again as a mom of two children. Like it just never occurred to me. And my, and my, my ideal family life would have been again, me getting married right out of college and me and my husband hopefully having some type of business or running some type of business or being able to support one another in the business perspective, having a gang of kids and living happily ever after. Like that was my ideal marriage situation. And of course that didn't happen. Um, But when it comes to, to relationships and marriage and children, I'm very traditional and old school, but that's not how it worked out for me. Um, And so (laughs) I try to be as understanding and as considerate as I can be for people. There's no judgment when it comes to things because I've heard it all. And as a sibling of six other people, I've seen all kinds of things. I have five sisters. So there's been lots of relationship drama in my life, (laughs) whether it was my own or someone else's that I was witnessing or or getting unsolicited advice for, or giving unsolicited advice to. Um, I've seen all kinds of relationships spring up. And, and one thing that I can honestly say is the ones that, I, that appear to be the most harmonious, the most loving, the most, I don't know, um, that have seemed to have the most um, continuity are the ones that are just extremely organic. Like there's no body, there's no outside influences. There's no one telling them what to do or how to do it. They just decided this is what we're gonna do and they went for it, you know? Um, yeah, but for me, it has been every anything but conventional, yeah. What is it, so what's the definition of an unconventional relationship? Cause I'm sure people wanna know. So, so my first relationship, gosh, I didn't, I didn't think we were going to get this. (laughs) (laughs) So my first relationship, my first relationship, um, was, I, I fell in love with my, this is like my first love. Um, he, he was older, much older than me. Um, and I was head over heels in love with him. And it turned out to be, he turned out to be my worst damn nightmare. Um, And again, this was someone who I 
was committed to being with, I gave you a child, tried to establish businesses, and it was just everything but what I wanted it to be. And I should have let go a long time ago. I held on and I stayed in it way longer than I should have. Um, it was abusive. It was so many things that was totally opposite of what I expected or what I had been looking for, all the things that I just described previously. And so when I say unconventional, to me, <laughs> that was unconventional. It just was not, it wasn't the, the, the typical relationship. Um, but I learned a lot of lessons in it. Um, there are a lot of things that I would never, ever do. There are a lot of red flags that I see a hundred miles away based on the things I experienced in that initial relationship. Um, something that a young person should never experience. Um, and it's something that it should never be equated to love. What I experienced in that relationship should never have been equated to love. But my young mind did not realize at the time that it was abuse that I was experiencing. So. And I held on thinking that this is how it's supposed to be because of the love. I didn't, I didn't allow my, my mind to lead. I, I let my, my heart lead me. And I stayed in that situation way longer than I should have. And I probably still have PTSD from it today. Because, you, because of that relationship, because uh, you said you were really young, so it was early in your life. Did it make you fearful about any other future relationships you would have? You know, thank, thanks be unto God. It did not make me fearful, but it did make me very, very wise. Thanks to him, I'll never go through those same things again. I can say never because I have this whole, <laughs> this runner dynamic now when it comes to stuff like that. When I see any of those flags that I experienced with him, I'm just like immediately heightened and I'm ready to either fight or run. Like, I'm just not going to stay there. Whereas in, in, in the, when I was in that situation, I, I did not see it from the perspective of, of what I see it now. And so I definitely learned a lot. I can even tell what other women are experiencing it because they will ex exhibit a lot of the traits and behaviors that I was exhibiting at that time. And so I can, I can tell them a lot of times what they're going through just by how they talk to me, how they share. And they'd be so surprised, like, damn, how do you know that? I'm like, cause I've been through it before. And they'd be so shocked, like you? Yeah, yeah, I've been through it before. Because when you've experienced those types of traumas in relationships with people who should have loved you, it, it changes how you behave in the world. It changes how you perceive things. It changes how you defend you defend yourself, you know? So I'm still eternally optimistic when it comes to love, but I am also very much guarded now as well. I am not as open as I used to be, um, but I'm still open, but I'm just not as naive. I was very naive before. I believed everybody's heart was like mine before. Now I know that, that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. um, also, I am very upfront and that probably weeds out a lot of the bull because <laughs> I'm very upfront about what I want and what I don't because I just don't, there's no, I don't have, I don't have 15 years to waste now. 
you know, when I in my twenties, I thought, oh, I'm I'm young, I got time. Now I'm like, no, nah, baby, I'm I'm here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm real I'm real direct about what I want now. Um, and I also try to encourage whoever I'm dating to be direct as well, so that we can just get past all of that bull and let's just get to what it is, you know. Um. But I, I thank God that he has kept my heart pliable and I'm still open and I still believe that real love exists for me. And too bad to the idiots who didn't treat me right because they could have had a good wife. You were you you were young. You were really young at that time, for one. And you said you had like this idea where you thought your life would be in a, a um, perspective. You know, your, your idea that you would be young and married and building businesses, things like that. So because of your perspective and what you thought, did it make it hard to leave that relationship? My pride made it hard to leave because, because again, this was a relationship that was not the most ideal. He was like 15 years older than me. Okay. And my family hated it. And the more they hated it, the more I loved it, you know, and, um, and so they learned to accept it because they loved me. Um, but after a while, I realized why it was not the most ideal situation for me. But my pride made me stay longer than I should have because I wanted to be right. And I wanted to say, see, we are going to work out. See, he does love me. See, it, you know, when I knew it wasn't right, but I wanted to prove that I had made a sound decision and that I used good judgment. So I stayed way longer than I should have. How many years too long you think you stayed? Probably 12. Damn. Yeah. And also at that point, I was a mom. So I was I was worried about the stability for my child as well. Okay. Wanted her to have two-parent household. Wanted her to try to give her an example of a healthy, well-rounded relationship. And that was totally awful and false. You know, it was not what it was. That's not what I was showing her. Um, and and actually, as, as my daughter started to get older and, and she started to exhibit that she understood what was going on and that, that, that it was not a happy home, that really was the catalyst for me to leave because I started to see her behavior change and her attitude change and her be more emotional. And it was just like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the wrong reason. You know, it was counterproductive. Was it helping me or her? So I was like, yeah, I got to go now. The, I want to, I think a, a very important question that I need to ask. Like, when, when did you get saved? Cause you, when did you like really become a Christian to get saved? You know, what's crazy is, I was a Christian the entire time that I was in that relationship. I was raised a Christian. I've been, I was raised in church all my life. And I got saved as a little girl, baptized as a little girl. But then I rededicated my life to Christ at 19 as a teenager. Like, um, and then like a few years later, I ended up with, I got pregnant and had Gianni. And I was a young mother, even in church. I was in church being abused. I was I was in church shouting and praising the Lord every Sunday and going home and getting beat up by my boyfriend. Mm. Or he was cheating or or he would lie or he was 
he would withhold money or do stuff like that to make me feel like I needed to stay. Like it was just so, it was, it was mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, he was abusive in every way he could be. <laughs> it was so bad, but I was, I was always in church. I was raising my daughter in church and going through that dysfunction. Yeah. Because I'm like a lot of, like a lot of people who go to, you know, go to church and say they, they struggle with the, um, fornication piece that's why I was asking well <laughs> for a while um I wasn't fornicating because he was sleeping with everybody else but me <laughs> oh, God. um <laughs> um and then there came a period where I had just totally shut all of that down and I was completely intentionally celibate and I was happy. Oh, that was when that was the beginning of me finally getting my legs up under me was 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 intentionally cutting that off because that takes a lot of the emotion out. That takes a lot of the clouded judgment away. You're now free to see the person for who and what they are. Um, and that was really the beginning of me getting my voice back and really setting boundaries and saying, you know what, this is no longer working for me and I'm not living like this anymore. Yeah, I was what so because you got you got saved pretty early. So I don't. Is it safe to say you really your dating perspective has always been from like a saved woman perspective? Is that accurate? It yes, it's always been from a saved woman's perspective. However, there have been times where so. So my first relationship was the longest one, right? Mm -hmm. um, total was probably about a good 15 years before I fully broke free from that. My next relationship, um, I again approached it from a perspective of I wanted to be a monogamous relationship, but I was okay with us not being married at that time. So did it kind of go against my Christian values to some degree? Yes, but I was so focused on peace and contentment at that time that I was not trying to box me or him in. Uh, and it didn't, marriage was not a requirement for me at that point because I didn't, I just wanted to be happy and free. <laughs> I just wanted to be happy and free. And I didn't want to be bound to anything. Or I didn't want him to feel bound I wanted us both to just be mutually happy, you know, and hoping that again, if we could be mutually happy together, that that I did that marriage was not a requirement. And and I shacked with him basically. I did. I shacked with him for a few years. Wow. And again, so that's another unconventional situation because here I am, a Christian woman, <laughs> shacking because. I just wanted to be in a situation where I was happy. My kids were happy. And, and again, Gianni was still the only child at that time. Um, I just wanted to be content. I wanted to be peaceful in my mind, in my body, and in my finances. And he and I at the time had a good little situation. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not, he was younger than I was, which was, was, for, was new for me. Um, having come off of a relationship where I had been with someone who was so much older. Um, so again, it was just like all these reversals for me 
Now, was that was that intentional to go younger? No, it wasn't intentional, but he applied the most pressure at the time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give him a shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I went for it. And we had a nice little, we had a good six, seven-year run. Um, but he was not... as committal and when it came to like he was happy as long as we was good without the we got to get married or whatever when we started when I started trying to like make long-term decisions because now I mean again the time is passing what are we doing and it wasn't like forcing him into anything or marriage or anything but I started making plans for what am I going to be doing to increase my um my my real estate portfolio. What am I going to be doing to add to my stocks? What am I doing? At the, I'm getting older now. By then, I'm in my 30s. And so I'm like, okay, I can't be wasting time just sitting here. I need to start coming up with some stuff. Yeah. And when I started doing that, he started feeling like I was becoming too much for him. And I was saying, no, this is an opportunity for you to, for us to collaborate and let's put it put put this together and make it more like. Um, but then he started feeling like it was a competition between us because then our monies was different and then our goals was different and what I wanted and what he wanted, you know, like I was becoming too ambitious for him and Uh that's where our signals got crossed. And it's just like, Lord, I can't like, yeah. Um, so again, unconventional because the second relationship was totally opposite from what I thought was ideal, but I let love lead this time again. You, you've had you, you've had a lot of time um, since that situation passed, and you know you you mentioned you know you saved your Christian woman, and I know you said you was happy and you know you was in love and all that stuff, but if you think about it now, did it really sit right in your spirit to to be shacking up? No, it did. Okay, so it didn't. Mm -mm. so how did you get past that feeling of it not sitting right or did you even get past it well I guess I didn't you know um because we we broke up you know um I tried to so 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 the one one of the things that kind of made it easy or kind of alleviated that that feeling of me kind of disappointing God and shacking with him was that he was a Christian also and he would go and do church things with me and we would be sitting in church together with our kids and we not married you know um he would he would do men's ministry activities while I was doing women's like he really he really tried to to get into what I was into in terms of the church um and that was the first that I had ever had that type of experience with a man who took the time to even immerse himself or even show that, you know, he would be willing to do that. Most men are like, oh, you're going to church. Okay, I'll see you later. You know, but he was like, oh, I'm going to go with you. You know, and then when our son came along, he's like, okay, we're going to go together. You know, so we did. We went to, we went together a few times and we did a couple of things together, but it just... And it just never like 
I'm sitting in church knowing that I'm going home with this man and we're not married, you know, like, and so the Holy Spirit was always convicting me. Um, although other Christians around me knew that we were not married and they still embraced us. So they never, I never felt any judgment from my peers, my direct peers in the church. You know, I never felt that. Um, and we actually even was getting ready to start doing like um, counseling so that we could start getting in position to be married. But then that we never got there. Um, but we had those conversations and things. Um, I had just gotten to the point where I wanted to, I was, I was willing to, to accept whatever God was going to do with me in terms of my insubordination, if you will, <laughs> um, or my lack of discipline in terms of being able to stay outside of you know, to and to stay outside of the house with him or to stay outside of a relationship until we got married. I kept saying, God, well, how am I ever going to get there if we don't build something? So I was, it was always me compromising with God and talking to him and telling him, well, God, this is why. And that's why. And he was steadily convicting me the entire time. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be single. Like, I'm just going to be single. I don't want you to feel pressured into marriage because I have to be married because I'm saved. Or I don't want to feel like I have to marry you because I don't want to shack. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be unhappy for him. And I didn't want him to be unhappy for me. Um, and there were obvious reasons why we had been together almost seven years, but still weren't married. You know, so whatever was in the way, I was just like, you know what? Again, I'm not willing to to just put a label on this thing or even to just rush and go get married just to say, okay, we're married now. We live in legal. No, I want the most authentic and the most organic love that God has for me. And whoever that is, he's going to want to be married because I want to be married and I'm not going to have to twist his arm and I'm not going to have to, you know, I'm not going to have to manipulate him into marriage. I want him to come into it wholeheartedly with both hands, you know, um, and it, it wasn't until I came to that mindset that I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm walking away from this relationship too because so much time has passed and we're still not there. And I believe that a man knows what he wants from a woman when he meets her. He knows that this is someone he's going to marry. He wants to be with long-term. And the kids and the, the, the money and the, the jobs and all the other stuff that get in the way along the way, I think we've made concessions for those things, but at the end of the day, we know what we want. Both of us know what we want and we know what we want out of the relationship. Just like you, when we were talking last night and you were saying how you want the one date and that's it, <laughs> you know, like you, you know what you want. And that's why I kept going back and forth. Cause I'm like, well, why even go out? If, if you know, okay, we just gonna have this one date and that's it. I don't want to see you no more. Like, what is that? <laughs> You know, so it's like, so when I started feeling like, okay, again, I, I stayed this long because I'm invested. I've invested time. I've invested money. I've invested tears. I've invested children. You know, I'm like, I'm staying. But when I look at my children and are they happy or unhappy? When I look at myself and what's going on around me, am I really happy or am I just settling? Some decisions had to be made. 
you know, um, and does marriage equate to happiness if you guys aren't happy in an unmarried state? You know, like we have to be honest with ourselves. We got to be realistic about what we really want, what the other person wants. What are we willing yeah, to commit not, to? It's not, <laughs> yeah, if you're not, if you're not happy before you get married, it's, you're not going to be exactly, not no, exactly. Just, and so the last seven to eight years I've spent being single and being happy with me pouring out into my family, focusing on other things, developing other things for myself. Um, the last year and a half, I've been more focused on my health and getting in shape and losing weight and toning up and adding muscle and doing all those things for me because I want to, not because I want to impress or attract anyone else. It's all just, what do I want for me? Um, and that's where I've been the last few years. And I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. I have some good connections with some people, but no one that I see as marriage material right now, you know. Um, and the dating pool is so interesting these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting these days. But again, I am just a naturally loving person and I am eternally optimistic so I still believe that there's true love for me and I don't, I'm not going to take anything less than that what what, do you, what is it so that's an interesting statement you made what do you what is interesting about the dating pool I think that <clears throat> social media has ruined it I think that people have our un, unrealistic expectations in relationships now um, I think that everything is so microwavable now. Everything's so instant gratification. I like it. I don't like it. I love you. I don't love you. I'm here. I'm, I'm there. I'm, it's just like, it's so weird. Like there is not as much commitment and stick to itness in things now. Everybody's just like flinging. Everybody's over here and over there and doing whatever they want. And there are not a lot of boundaries. It's just like, Wow. <laughs> I, so what, what role do you think social media plays? Because that, that's interesting to me. I don't dis I'm not saying I disagree, but I just want to hear your perspective. Oh my goodness, social media. So so I'm a I'm a I'm a heterosexual woman, right? Okay. And I have social media accounts. And on my social media accounts, I do not go onto my social media accounts looking for booty and twerking and titties and lips. <laughs> I don't go look for those things, but I can, I can bet you right now, if I open up one of my social media accounts, that's going to be the first thing I see. And so <laughs> I can see men are so far less committal nowadays because they got the pick of the letter. I mean, they can just go on there and just find a girlfriend. You got only fans. You got all this weird stuff that did not exist, you know, 15, 20 years ago that you have to compete with now. It's weird. Uh, and I'm going to let you finish, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, now, and I also, so the other side of it too is again, two people coming together and they having a common bond or common interest in what it is that they're looking for. That's the first thing because none of that stuff can sway a man if he's made up his mind about what he wants, but I can see how it can be difficult for them to stay focused with all of the 
booty and titties that I see every day that I'm not even looking for. Okay. I'm, so you actually said what, because you were saying like, um, like maybe about five minutes ago, you said a man know what he wants. So if a man know what he wants, then social media won't distract him. Now, I, I will, I mean, I'll admit, I mean, yeah, you're going to see some titties, you're going to see some ass come across the screen. But, I mean, that's just for a moment. I mean, what do you, what do, you do after that moment? Like okay. Exactly. So, yes, and again, it, it goes back to him being secure in what he wants. And as a woman, it doesn't make me insecure. But, but I, again, I can see how it can be a distraction, you know? So there have been times where I have had to literally click on certain posts and say, I'm not interested in this because I don't want this to pop up on my phone every time I go to my social media content. I don't want to see that, you know? Um, I mean, I don't, but see, I, the distraction part, um, I guess I guess it's about what do we define as a distraction? Because if it's just a, you know, it's just a moment, a moment is a moment. But if you find yourself keep being distracted per se then it's probably an issue well a moment is a moment but we have several of those throughout the day how much time do you spend on your social media when you're out have you have you been out at a restaurant or somewhere at a concert or some other type of social gathering and you see everybody at the table looking at their phones Shit, I've been guilty of it myself. So. Exactly. <laughs> so we spend so much more time now on these devices and on okay. these social sites than we when than we used to. Some okay. people spend more time on those than they do actually having conversations with their person. Some people would rather talk to you through direct message than to pick up the phone and call you. So okay. our social engineering is just different now. Okay. And, and like I believe that it impacts us all. I have to purposefully, well, I am intentional. Like if I am out on a date with you or if if I invite you over or if we're coming to sit together and have a talk about some type of business plan, I make it a point to put put my phone away because if not, I'm going to be looking at it constantly and I might hit 50% of what you said. The rest of it, I done wasted in this phone because that is what's happening culturally now. Like that is where we are. We sweet spin out of the 24 hours of your day, like really how much time do you spend clicking on those devices and looking at that stuff, you know? You know what? Okay, so when you when you first said it, I thought you was talking about like distracted with, with like other women and like just in that aspect. So that's why I was kind of like disagreeing. But when you put it that way, like just a total distraction, you absolutely right. Like yes. that was just my mind thinking about women, like a man being distracted by women only. But I can say personally, I'm guilty of being distracted just because it, 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 you just on your phone, you looking, you, you're yeah. not giving the person 100% of your time. I'm, I could personally say I'm guilty of that. Exactly. Uh, and so, so, so we do that. And again, like I said, we, we're looking at it, not even going on that. Like me, I don't go on there looking for men. I don't go on there like, oh, let me see with a, with a big chest men or with a big, <laughs> I don't go on there and do that. But I can guarantee you that every time I go on there, I'm going to see one, you know, it's up to me not to be distracted by it, but it's there, you know? And so I believe that that has significantly contributed to 
I believe that contributes to how we value one another as well, because there are some, some men that are not as mature as others who will be like, oh, well, you want, especially when it comes to standards. Oh, you want me to do this, 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 and that? Oh, I can just go ahead and meet this girl and she can just, you know, it's, it's different now. It, it, it's different. It's different. Some of them are on there just straight selling coochie. You know, it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) this is different. And it has affected lots of relationships, lots of relationships. It takes somebody who is committed, who has a lot of dedication to not let it impact them. It takes somebody who loves and is focused on their person to say, you know what, we haven't dinner. Let me put this down. Let me not look at that. I mean, we together, let's, let's most, both of us make sure we put our phones down and focus on each other. How was your day? What you got going on? Anything bothering you? You want to talk about, we got to make it a point to do that. Otherwise we get immersed in all this other stuff. And then we're just entertaining each other while we're on a way to do something else. We multitasking. So when you're multitasking, what are you really getting done? You're not really giving either one of those things 100% of your attention, you know? Yeah. You, you know what? You're absolutely right. Like, I'm just having this thoughts of like the times I'll be out and I'm distracted. Mm-hmm. My phone. I'm mm-hmm. checking the score of a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Just, just something that's taken away from the attention that I'm supposed to be giving the person. So exactly. And so imagine if, so so like you know there are places now. <laughs> there are some restaurants. There are some. There are a lot of um like entertainment venues even that when you enter the place you have to put your cell phone in a lockbox and mean, you have a far better experience yeah. but why do they have to make grown people lock up their phones yeah because otherwise we would be so distracted and you pay good money to come here and experience this thing but you just spent 50 percent of the time here in your phone yeah. like that's how much we are affected by in in um unconsciously you know, so it affects us far more than we realize. I I really like the idea of just saying, you know what, let's both leave our devices downstairs and let's go upstairs and let's talk or let's go sit out on the deck and have a glass of wine. No um electronics. You know how much more you would enjoy like the conversation, the wine, the food, you would taste it better because you're not distracted by all that stuff. Like, it is crazy. We have really allowed these things to shape us. So imagine what our children's experiences will be like. They'll never understand what it's like to have a pure conversation device free because they, they, they're digital natives. You know, we know we, we grew up, we grew into them. They have grown with them. So they don't know the separation of them. My son will about spaz out if he don't have them devices, you know, like as long as he has it, he's fine. Yeah. If, it's, if it, the screen cracked, the, the battery dead, his world is <laughs> it, it's ended. You know, like we are. I, I remember one day. I, I remember one day I was leaving the house, and um, yeah, I phone only weighed like I don't know, a pound if that. Mm-hmm. And I and I um, I was walking out the door, and I'm like, man, I feel like I'm forgetting something. And then I was like, it's my phone. And then I thought about, I was like, damn, that little one pound. Not even one pound device, not on my not on my left leg, and I could just feel a difference. Like it'll change your whole day. And don't, yeah. oh baby, don't get halfway to work and realize you done left it. You're gonna turn around and go back and get it because you can't even think at work without it, right? Well, you, okay, here's the 
I'm telling you, see what I'm saying? So I'm look, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you the only reason you might, you might be right. You turned around and got that phone. I'm gonna tell you why you might be right. The only reason you might be right is because because of Nia. No, no, not even that. Is because I can't have my phone at work at my desk. So because of that, I might keep going. But if okay. I can have my phone on me, oh, one hundred percent, I'll turn it back around. Exactly. Right. As a matter of fact, if I turn back around, it's more of a chance that I'm just not gonna go to work. Right. All because of that little phone. You see, you like, I'm just saying, I'm just gonna stay here. <laughs> but I can't. But it's weird. But you know what? But it's crazy because. I can't. The reason is, it's so, it's so ironic. It, it, like you know, you, you know how you say never, but it's like that phone has so much. That's my music. That's my entertainment. So by the time I, if by the time I start my car, if I don't hear, if I don't, if a song don't automatically start playing, first thing I'm gonna think, where the hell is my phone? So look at, look at that. See how much those devices have us in the chokehold. Because don't your car got a radio? Man, listen, I but you can't but you can't hear that radio without your phone being Bluetoothed in. You see what I'm saying? They, they got yeah. us in the chokehold, baby. Like I don't even honestly, I've had my car since I've had my car for like six years, seven years. I don't even know if the CD player works. See what I'm saying? I don't know if it works. Because you got because you got that phone, and and that long as that phone hook up, you feel safe. You see. Baby, we, yeah. we are conditioned. And I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you. And I'm paying that $12 a month, the Apple Music. <laughs> we are conditioned. <laughs> telling you, it's crazy. But it's but you you're right though, because I mean we have lost the ability to have like genuine conversations, genuine moments. Like technology has ruined that. It has. And so with the technology now. People reinvent themselves and rebrand themselves every so often to be what they think people want to be, want them to be versus being their authentic selves. It's just so you you you're getting caricatures of people instead of the actual person. Like there's so many things that that have have happened to us as a result of these devices. Now they can be good and bad. I mean, you see, same devices can take you, can take your career to the next level. You can, you can shoot and produce products on them. You can make money. You can stream content. So it's up to us how we let them invade our lives or not. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true too. That's you got a good point because, and it, it, I mean, for me personally, I mean, even like right now, I'm doing the podcast. Like it, it I've connected with so many people through my phone. So. It is a catch twenty two, but that's that's up to the person to manage, you know. But again, that's where the discipline comes in, and that's with everything, because too much of anything is bad, right? Modesty. Yeah. Yeah. I want to end with this. Do do you you how confident are you that you will find love and marriage? The things that you grew up dreaming about. I am 100% confident that it's going to happen for, because otherwise God will be a liar. And I don't believe that to be the case. And I don't believe that he would have made me to be as loving and as affectionate as I am without sending me someone to 
accommodated. Um, now, what that's going to look like for me and will it, will it look like what I envision? Who knows? But I am here for the ride and I trust God with my life. Um, but I ain't playing with nobody. <laughs> I ain't playing with nobody. When they, when they don't look right, it don't feel right. I'm getting out of there. You know, I'm just not. Um, but I'm going to date until until I find the one. I was so closed off before and I thought that I knew who the one was and it didn't work out. But I'm going to date and I'm going to keep my heart open to love in spite of what I've experienced in the past. And I believe that you are what you attract, you know, and I believe that if I keep vibrating at a high level, um, high vibration that the right person will, will our, our frequencies will sync up somehow and we'll find each other. Um, and I'm not willing to compromise until then. He'll come and he'll be ready for marriage just like I am. I won't have to force him. There won't be no, there won't be any um, ultimatums or anything. It'll be It'll be mutual. Well, amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> Look, I really, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation. Um, it was really transparent, personal. So thank you for being um, so open and honest about it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you as well. Um, I don't, um, well, I know you haven't started the um, podcast and you probably haven't starting any of the um, social media stuff. Do you want people to follow you or no, I don't. Actually, yes, I have. I have set up the Instagram page um, and they can follow it at two saved chicks um, at two saved chicks is spelled C I I'm sorry, C H I X. Okay. Um, and Do you use the number two or the word two the number two. Okay. Yes. So the number two, save chicks, C H R X. Okay. That's your Instagram? Yes. Okay. Facebook? And no, I didn't do a Facebook yet. Okay. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm also working on the website. So we'll be, we'll be back and we'll come back and visit you under that, guys. And um, we'll have more information to share. But again, that that is a platform for us to just come and have open, honest conversations about love and relationships from a Christmas perspective. Not just um, man to woman love, but parent to child. Everything, everything in between. Okay. Well, again, again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I wish you all the best with the podcast. Thank you so much, James. It was great talking with you. All right. I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lent. My Facebook is also conversations with Lent. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.